Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com. Good afternoon and welcome to 50 Shades of Hospitality. This is Crystal Cabin, your host. Today we are welcoming Alvin Liu to our program. Welcome, Alvin. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. So I grew up in China, and when I was 19 years old, I went to Switzerland. I studied at uh, Gliong uh, Hospitality Management, and since I graduated, I moved to Shanghai. I started by working uh, hotel management, and then I uh, changed my career to working recruitment. And uh, in the year 2020, I started doing uh, comedy, uh, mostly in English. And 2022, I moved from Shanghai to London, so I'm working in recruitment as a senior consultant. And I also, you know, uh, I still do stand-up comedy here. So you started doing stand-up comedy in China, but did you start doing stand-up comedy in English or in Chinese in China? I started in uh, comedy in English, mostly because I had Chinese friends, international friends, and comedy. I got to know comedy from watching English comedy, so I started there. And I actually tried Chinese comedy uh, and in the UK. I think I just prefer English comedy more just because I guess I haven't figure out why, but yeah, I prefer doing that more. <laughs> so as we've understood, you have two passions, hospitality and stand-up comedy. Is there a link between these two uh, passions that you have? And if so, how do you explain this link? Yeah, I would say in my experience, the link is probably uh, culture because um, by doing hospitality, you get to meet people from different uh, backgrounds. How you serve different cuisines is, uh, you know, from that certain culture. And uh, I think comedy as well, I talk a lot about the culture difference between China and the UK. And I'm just quite interested in how to explore uh, the different background and, and different culture. And I do see a link between these two. And of course, you mentioned that you went to uh, Glion Hospitality School, which is an international hospitality school with over 95 different cultures. Did you take some of your material from that experience of being in an international school with all of those different cultures? I don't think I'd take any experience from it directly, probably because it was when I started comedy, I was already 28, 29. So it's been too many years. But I, I would say that experience studying in Lyon definitely helped shape me into like, quote unquote, international citizen. And, and that will help your uh, career in comedy and, and how you see things day to day. Yeah. And probably also helped in your hospitality career as well. Yeah, yeah. International, uh, global education with so many cultures, I think, is one of the things that employers often are looking for in hospitality uh, employees, is this ability to navigate these multicultural waters. Although we have not yet had the opportunity to attend one of your shows in London, 
it seems to us that these are satirical comedies that you you know you're you're working a lot with satire and that in a way you make fun of your origins and your own chinese culture can you tell us more what kind of jokes are you using and what do you talk about in your stand up comedy i think some of my videos online The thing about comedy is you get to improve all the time. I guess gig after gig, and also I'm quite obsessed about just just comedy as a craft.、Uh, so I think the video for、uh, of me online maybe they're not. I, I still do some of the materials, but I wouldn't say they're my best、uh, materials. I think in terms of just my set, I I love to just talk about the、uh, you know like the cultural difference.、Uh, I sometimes make fun of something that I don't think makes sense in Chinese culture. And I made fun of、uh, some things in British culture as well, and I do the comparison. Yeah, I don't want to just go into my bit, but、uh, it's like like a, a summary. That would be it. And I guess if if I have a goal, it would be you know I want to use comedy so that I bridge the gap between Eastern and Western culture and maybe unite the people of、uh, China and the UK. I say it on stage as well, but it's not nice. It's not funny if you say something so like serious or like quote unquote. Profound on stage, so I, I actually say my ultimate goal is to work one hour a day and wake up at twelve. So that's my three goals in comedy. <laughs> and you just mentioned, you know, some maybe things that you don't understand about Chinese culture, and something maybe about British culture. Can you give us an example of some of the things that you find now that you've lived outside of China that you find particularly funny or interesting about your culture? Sure,、uh, but first, where are you from, Crystal? So.、Uh, <laughs> so I'm from.、Uh, I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And then my parents moved a little bit to, south to Orange County. So I grew up in the OC, as they say. And then when I was 13, they had the wonderful idea of moving up to the San Francisco Bay Area, which I really, really much prefer. And as you probably know, during the 60s and 70s, probably into the 80s, probably had the largest Chinese diaspora outside of mainland China. I had a lot. Of friends that were Chinese Americans, I had a lot of.、Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Chinatown, in San Francisco, in Oakland. So, of course, Chinese culture for me is something that I feel. Well, I've never lived in China, but.、Uh, one of my favorite writers is a Chinese American uh, named uh, Amy Tan. You know, it's a culture that obviously I grew up、uh, very close to. So there you go. Yeah, I'm surrounded by British people, so when I hear you, you know, it's quite refreshing because <laughs> I, I do find American accent easier to understand. When I first got here, oh, it was rough. Thank you, Alvin.、Uh, <laughs> when I first got here, I go to comedy shows, and some of the pro acts. After like one minute, my mind just go autopilot. It's just okay. Just one thing I notice、um, Chinese culture that's quite different. I would say is the.、Uh, I think people tend to try more to create like a harmonious environment. It's all about peace,、uh, especially like I guess with, with colleagues or with friends. But when I'm here, I feel like people are sometimes more direct.、Uh, you can just say to your boss that you're wrong. I mean, you don't say it that way, but you know, you can sort of like disagree and debate. So I would say that's probably the first thing that comes to my mind. Comedy-wise, I do feel like Chinese audience in doesn't matter Chinese or English comedy show. I, I feel like Chinese audience overall they're very naive and、uh, innocent. And in a good way. So some of my material is about the difference of how people see mental health in the East and the West, like how there's no depression in China, <laughs> and <laughs> and、uh, I feel like with oh I do in the UK because everyone here is depressed and、uh, <laughs> people just love it. But、uh, I try to in China. Some of the audience they're very they're kind. They they have empathy. 
<laughs> so they hear the word depression, they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't laugh. But as a comedian, that's not what you want, you know. So it's uh, that's interesting. Alvin, you said that you like English comedy, but do you like comedy that's in English or comedy actually from England, or is it a mix of American, Canadian, Australian, English language comedy? I mean, what are some of your favorite comics and, you know, where do you kind of get your inspiration from? I think my favorite type of comedy is probably comedy from America, even though I live in the UK. I meet a lot of great comedians here. I love the joke, but I think comedy in the US is like, if it's funny, that's almost like the only uh, standard. But a lot of times in the UK, it's like, is it funny? And is it right? Can we laugh at it? Because all the guilt British people have. So I do find some of my jokes, they might work better in the US. I haven't tried, but in terms of inspiration, I like some of the dark materials. I just like good comedy. And I guess just currently we are going towards a place where everyone's more inclusive, which is great. But in comedy wise, just I guess sometimes it's almost refreshing to see like comedy that uh, could be taken the wrong way, but it's not necessarily aiming at being offensive or just aiming at the shock value. So I like some of the more, I guess, uh, edgy comedians. Yeah. yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think this is something that um, a lot of comedians are talking about today. It's quite difficult to be a comedian today because there are so many topics that are off limits. You know, we've come to a point where people here, even in Switzerland, there was a, uh, a Swiss comedian that got into a lot of trouble because she made some jokes about things that people did not find appropriate. So I think you're right. It's not easy to navigate all of these uh, people's sensitivities. And a lot of people think there are some things that we can't laugh about anymore. And I think it's an interesting debate. Yeah. Is she doing uh, Swiss German, French? Or? She was doing um, Swiss French. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've seen a few of, of things of this she's done but uh, big polemic around uh, what she was doing it, just to go back a little bit about uh, comedy and um, the San Francisco Bay Area I actually saw Robin Williams at the very beginning of his career in a small comedy club in San Francisco I didn't even know who he was he had just started off with his TV show Mork and Mindy so it was the beginning of his career and uh, he got his start in uh, San Francisco comedy clubs and I happened to be there and he came on stage and uh, it was an amazing experience to see someone at the beginning of his career like that. Is it amazing that you saw him after you saw his performance that you're, wow, this is yeah. great. Or is it amazing because after all these years, you saw who he became? And- no, no, no. What was amazing was to see him and to see just how incredibly funny he was. Nice. And then, of course, he just skyrocketed and he became this famous person. But the San Francisco comedy scene was very, very alive and vibrant back in the late 70s and early 80s. And Tell us about London. What's the comedy scene like in London? That's great. You're coming from Shanghai. I think this is definitely the heaven for comedy. I mean, English-wise. Chinese-wise, it's uh, it's pretty dead. (laughs) It's like 30 Chinese students to every show. So yeah, I I do English comedy, right? So in London, it's definitely the place to be, especially we have all the time comedians coming from Sydney, Melbourne, Canada, all say this thing is way better. Yes, uh, it's great um, to be able to be here and do this. And who is your audience, Alvin? I mean, what kind of people are coming to the comedy shows? I currently don't have control over that because I'm in the process of building up like an internet presence. So maybe I have some my own fans and come to my show. But now mostly just uh, whatever gig I can get. Some of them it's just like open my Some of them it's like at a better club. But I would say I sometimes do better with the younger 
international crowd for now. But I've been learning to, you know, present my comedy to different audiences. I remember it was one weekend I did this、um, gig at Backyard. It's、uh, East London, one of the best clubs here. And I kill myself. It's like ten minutes. I start. Uh, you know, with a new joke, I close with like a new joke. I mean, it's not the best practice. If there's any comedian listening, don't do that. But I, I didn't know better, so I was like, new kid in a new circuit. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna try this. And sometimes it works. It's great. It's the best feeling in the world. And sometimes it doesn't work, and it costs you.、Uh, it costs you opportunities. <laughs> So that night is one of the nights that it just worked, and I could just feel the tingling sensation at the back of my head after everyone's like saying hi to me. It's like you can see they're genuine, excited, and you know it's just a great feeling to be had. And the next day, I went to this area. I think it's、uh, Chislehurst. Yeah, I hope my booker doesn't listen to this, but. <laughs> Yeah, I went to this place, and it's it's mostly like older British audience. The big room where everyone's like wearing suits, like walking slowly, moving very slowly but politely. <laughs> I got into the room, and my first feeling is I don't have manners. It's the kind of room, and I did the same set. Oh, it was the one of the worst one I ever had. It's also mostly because I was doing that with some of the more professional comedian. A few of them been to the Apollo. A few of them been to like British Got Talent. So it was like a good crew, and I was the only one that just. Bombed so hard. Oof, same set, different rooms.、So、I learned a lot from that weekend. Well, and that's the thing about stand-up comedy: the audience has a lot to do with it. If you don't have the right audience, that, like you just said, you just explained a very、uh, typical situation for、uh, stand-up comedians. How are your jokes perceived? I mean, obviously, that's a very telling story. In the first situation, I guess they were perceived very well. But in the second situation, what do you think was the difference? Was it the age? Was it the, their social economic background? I think it's a combination of everything, and actually, it's most of my joke. I started by doing a political joke that some younger audience will love, and older audience will just get tense and look at you. <laughs> I guess also some of my attitude. I think in a more family environment, you gotta be more like family friendly and more likable. Gotta smile more, maybe slow down, and don't do jokes that's like too edgy or be nice. <laughs> And would this show, the one that you're describing right now, would it have been possible in China? Would you have had the same success? English comedy scene in China is very interesting because there's such a big market. For example, in Shanghai, there's 30 million people. If 10% of them speak English, that's 3 million people, and they all love to watch comedy, either to laugh. Or to learn English, and and also just so something that they don't have every day, right? There's only maybe like thirty, forty performers, so you get a lot of opportunity.、You、can just do like a weekend show, a headlining show, very fast in maybe a year, and the audience reaction is great. But there is less diversity in just the type of audience because it's mainly divided by English level, like people who are there to learn English and they might understand something, but they don't laugh, or people who international audience, or people who study abroad and they want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, the first time I did a gig. In front of the more senior people in the UK, it was a learning experience because we don't have that type of gig in China. Most of the people that are going to comedy clubs in China tend to be younger, more urbane audience, I imagine. Yeah. Is hospitality ever a subject that you deal with in your sketches? Do you ever talk about hospitality in your sketches? Do you have any anecdotes、uh, to share with our listeners? Yeah, I should probably try to talk about it more. <laughs> I had one joke about hospitality when I was in China, but I haven't done that in the UK.、I'm、trying to remember, but the idea of the joke is about how hotels are considered、uh, fancy where I grew up, just because 
I guess if you stay in the hotel, it means you're able to travel. And I forgot to set up a joke, but so basically, the idea of what luxury means depending on the culture and people's experiences. So pe- what people may find to be luxurious or fancy in China, you would not consider that to be so fancy or or luxurious now that you've been living in London. Yeah, I think because I, I had to bring up a lot of、uh, culture background of how hotels are perceived in China, and sometimes it just doesn't. People just don't relate. But if I do it in China. They get it because country has gone through such、uh, economical growth. I think the idea of the joke was that hotels are fancy means you can travel, and you know when you're in a poor country, like when you travel, you only leave your city for like two reasons: A is you you go to travel because you have money, and and B is like your family has died, so you had to see them or something like that. But yeah, otherwise, why would you leave your city? There's there's no leisure or you know. <laughs> Yeah, but actually, Alvin, that's not really true anymore. From what we know, with one of our first guests, Joy Dong, she says that now domestic travel in China is actually、uh, way, way up. Yeah, no. Chinese people are traveling a lot more. It's true. Yeah. In China. Now it's huge, and、uh, people have money now. I think when I grew up, it was a different world. It's changed a lot in the last twenty years. Do you ever think sometimes about moving back to your country and doing comedy there, or is it something that you say, "No, I prefer staying in Great Britain"? And、uh... I think for the time being, I'll、uh, stay here. If I could get some, I don't know, good gigs in China, you know, kind of go back and perform、uh, in front of my old friends, that would be great as well. But、uh, for now, the plan is to try to just get better in the UK. Because one thing I learned is、uh, it's very easy to be good in a small in circuit. You know, it's the ceiling so low. But then I got here, I had some good gigs instantly, just because I guess it's fresh and、uh, I was fresh to them. They don't see like a Chinese comedian every day. Yeah. <laughs> But the more you do it, the more you realize, you know, there's so much to be learned and things to be improved. Like maybe in, in this one line, can say fewer words and make it more like tight and better. You know, different things to learn. And how do you balance your professional work and this other side of you, your comedy, your stand-up comedy? Is this easy to do sometimes, or is sometimes difficult? Yeah, at first it was really hard to balance, and there were some days or weeks I was just thinking about jokes、uh, at work, and it definitely—it's <laughs> not good for your wallet because <laughs> comedy doesn't pay at all. <laughs> some of your colleagues were probably looking at you saying, "Why does he keep laughing to himself?" <laughs>、uh, Situations where I had to hide it. <laughs> But I think after maybe one year or two years, I've learned to sort of just better manage my time. And comedy, you can always do it, you know, after six, after eight p.m. Right? So、uh, it doesn't really yeah yeah conflict with each other. And do you ever talk about in your comedy sketches? Do you talk sometimes about what it's like being in the hospitality field in London as a Chinese person working? Do you bring in your own personal experiences of being an expatriate? What's an expatriate? So someone who comes from another country. To like you, a Chinese、uh, citizen, or like me, American citizen, moving to Switzerland and living here. Right, it's one of the words that people just say the shorter version. Expat. And I forgot about the longer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me let me rephrase that. How is the life of an expatriate? How is the life <laughs> of an expat Chinese in London? <laughs> 
it's great overall. I think it's definitely a huge push towards uh, diversity here. So I've never felt I'm a foreigner or you know I, I'm a minority. Uh, it's very rare to you know have someone say something that reminds you, which is great. I think overall it's uh, just time has changed towards the, the better. Because uh, yeah, I think from talking to some of my older friends and you know they they probably experienced different things when it's like ten twenty years ago. And same uh, with me. But now living in the UK, I do feel like it's a pretty diverse country. Everyone's free to express themselves. And I talk about that to an extent in comedy. I have some jokes where it's how I encounter racism, but I made it, you know, I turn it funny. That's like a segue at one of my recent gigs. Yeah, just interesting. You have, so, you know, sometimes that type of experience, but sometimes it's the complete opposite. Like people are so sensitive. They're overly sensitive because they don't want to be the bad guy. And I give another example. It's a good country to, to live in as an expat. And I don't know if you are aware, but our podcast is uh, being broadcast in China. It seems obvious to us that the listeners in China will discover your professional career and appreciate that in education and hospitality can open a lot of interesting doors and allow you to realize your dreams. How would you explain to them how your career path went from studying at a hospitality school then to working and doing an internship and then moving to London and doing stand-up comedy? How would you describe that path that you've taken? Oh, it's a... It's a big question. I'm just looking at my life now, like I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you were to study uh, hospitality, especially in Switzerland, you had to do it with money. I mean, it's, it's a given, right? It's uh, one of the most expensive places to study. But I, I think studying hotel management in Switzerland it opened the door for me to see the Western world and you know, how people from different backgrounds, you know, see life and different values. And uh, it's such a valuable lesson. And uh, I would say two different angles. I guess if you want to do hotel management or if your family have a business in hotel management, it's probably the best country to study hospitality, just health school in Switzerland. So yeah, you should do that. But I think just in terms of studying abroad in general it definitely changed my life a your english and b your, your own values and you know your skill set in terms of communicating to people from different backgrounds just, just all these uh, different things that you don't learn from classes you know so important for your uh, future development especially if you plan to do anything cross uh, culture you know, studying Switzerland definitely helped me when I got back to Shanghai to find a job in a Western company and, and also helped me, you know, I guess with my promotion, with my, you know, doing business development with different clients. And probably the fact that you were in this very multicultural environment, and it seems that one of the topics of your comedy as well is looking at cultural differences, being sensitive to cultural differences, but also realizing sometimes the uh, absurdity of some of these cultural differences. Like, why do we do it that way? Why are we like that? You know, I would imagine that that was also a good experience for you for your comedy as well. Yeah, definitely. Before we started doing the interview, you were talking a little bit about some of the cultural shocks that you had when you first got to Glion. Could you tell us a little bit about that? For instance, uh, what was it like the first time you went into the classroom? What were some of the differences that you noticed and that you remarked? I guess I noticed two things uh, in the classroom. Like first is international students, especially uh, European students. They just ask questions directly and they debate with the teacher and they just say their opinions out loud. I think at least compared to the school I went to, right, it's very different to that uh, your opinion is equally valuable as the teacher's. That's the first thing I noticed. The second thing is I feel like people are more tolerant to you making mistakes. Like I remember this student, he kept saying, now not, now not, now not. And the teacher's like, not now. 
and everyone just laughed because he made such a silly mistake. But it's okay, and people are laughing not because they're laughing at you. Two things I noticed: it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to say your opinions. I think it's true that、um, Western pedagogy is a lot more. I think the teacher is there to animate a class, but also understands the importance of being able to interact with students and how important that interaction is for the learning experience. And also that students learn also from each other. I think that's the other thing too. The teacher is not necessarily the only expert in the class. That students can learn from each other. I'm just thinking. I guess in two extreme situations, right? Let's say one situation is you just obey and you study hard and you don't say anything different. Versus the complete opposite, where everyone just have all the freedom <laughs> to say whatever they feel like, like a stereotypical American spoiled teen. They go to class and like disagree with the teacher, and、uh, students just like fighting with the teacher.、I'm、like, there's so much empowerment to kids. Absolutely. <laughs> Two extreme situations, and both are、uh, interesting. You're not sure which one's good or bad. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, probably neither one. It's probably something in the middle, I would assume. Having a teacher that is open to、uh, discussion and debate, but also、uh, is able to、uh, control the class so that it doesn't go haywire. Alvin, do you have any other dreams that you would like to realize? Other passions that、uh, you have not yet explored? When I was a teenager, I wanted to play in the NBA. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when you're a、uh, five foot nine, five foot eight Asian. <laughs> With no athletic parents, <laughs> and I'm 32, so. Okay, I'm so sorry to hear that. I gave up that dream a few years ago. <laughs> It's alright. I can still try ping pong <laughs> or frisbee golf. By the way, that reminds me. I saw, and now I can't remember his name. I was in Milano, and I crossed this very, very famous NBA Chinese player from years ago. One of the tallest players ever, Yao, I think. Oh, Yao. Okay. I was with my daughter and a giant walking towards us. I said, "Oh my god!" And I mean, it was definitely him because I had seen his face several times. So I don't want you to feel bad about your height, Alvin, but he was really tall. Yeah. <laughs> I know.、Uh, I think he's the reason most Chinese people start playing basketball. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Our podcast is above all intended to be an educational tool and an inspiration for young people, and maybe not so young people who wish to start a career in hospitality. After, of course, receiving a good education in this field, what would be your message sent in particular to your compatriots in China to encourage them to pursue education and a career in hospitality? First, I would say, don't study hospitality in China. <laughs> you want to study hotel management? Go to a first world country. I guess China maybe is a first world country now. I don't know. I haven't follow、uh, the GDP situation. But if you want to pursue hotel management, I would say Switzerland be a great country to go to. If you're not sure what you want to study, still it's one of the majors that I, I guess after graduating you can do a lot of different things, work in different industries, just because it help you with different. Skill sets like interpersonal skill sets, and it teaches you like finance,、uh, marketing, and and all different majors. So it'll be a good choice. Well, and I think what your maybe some of our Chinese audience will take offense to you saying don't don't study hospitality in China. But this just goes back to what you were talking about earlier: is that studying abroad gives you an experience that cannot really be taught in the classroom and cannot be taught in a homogenous cultural environment. Everything you're talking about. 
these cultural differences and how much that helps in the field comes from the fact that you went to a school with 95 different cultures. So, I mean, I think that's what you're basically saying is that having that multicultural experience is really positive if you want to go into the hospitality field. Yeah, I would definitely uh, agree. And also, I've been recruiting in China for many years, you know, just reading people's CV and uh, especially, I think, the job market in China, people really care about your education degree, like what kind of school you went to, what was your major. And I don't know, I think if you don't work in a hotel, having a hotel management degree from, say, Lyon or a Swiss school, it adds a lot of value because people know Swiss hotel management. Uh, maybe one day, Chinese hotel management industry can get to a similar level. But otherwise, I feel like I, I don't know who's my audience. I don't know who I'm speaking to, to be honest. But I think what you're saying, Alvin, is absolutely true. But even someone who decides that they want to go into hospitality in China, but stay in China, the fact is, is that China has been over the past 15, 20 years, 10, 15 years, has been a very popular tourist destination. So more and more foreigners are coming to work in China, they're coming to travel in China. So obviously, having some kind of multicultural international background is helpful, even if you decide to stay in China. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Are you talking about having background of uh, you know, studying hotel management in Switzerland or just in general? Or in another country, just having some kind of international experience in the hospitality field is really important because you're dealing with people from most of the time from all over the world. Yeah, definitely. I, I do agree 100%. When I was doing recruitment and I see people's CV, they get a hotel management degree from a Chinese school. I'm just like, what is that? Like, who do you learn from that? Jesus. We're going to hotel in China. People don't learn anything. They still don't speak a word of English. They cannot like talk to expat uh, customer they had to find me like an intern like my manager <laughs> was telling me to do everything that's why i say don't study just what do you learn after a four-year hotel management degree from like a Zhejiang college but it's different if you got it from like germany or you know i, I, would, I would pay more attention to, to that Obviously, for us, we're not from China. So of course, we don't know, we have no idea what hospitality education is like in China. But from what you're saying, it's definitely not worth getting an international hospitality education, in your opinion. And of course, it doesn't have to necessarily be in Switzerland, it could be in England, it could be in the United States. I mean, Switzerland is not the only country, we know that a lot of uh, Chinese students, for instance, study hospitality in the United States as well. There are a lot of hospitality schools. Oh, yeah, I think my mom was choosing between Switzerland and the US. And I guess it's one famous school in Nevada. Yeah, we interviewed recently the dean from the uh, the Hera School of Hospitality in Las Vegas, very well-known hospitality school that attracts a lot of Chinese students. I guess she didn't want to send me to the US. Las Vegas, <laughs> especially Las Vegas. Because it's like, oh, too much gambling. <laughs> you said, mom, send me to the Macau School of Hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying, I think what I understand, Alvin, for Chinese students who would like to study hospitality, you highly recommend that they try to find maybe have some classes in China, but eventually that they move on to a, another place to study hospitality to improve their English, which we all know is very important in the hospitality field to get that multicultural experience and to get that living in another country experience as well, which is an incredible experience. Because uh, it's, it's not just about occasion and country, or, although it will help. But I guess uh, what I'm suggesting is to have an open mind and explore different cultures, even if you're in like a town of 50,000 people, which is the middle of nowhere in China. Even if you're there, you know, be more open about different culture, meet people from different backgrounds and watch TV shows, trying to study different language. You know, you, you can do that anywhere. But uh, I would say studying abroad would definitely help as well. 
that's a great message, I think, to study abroad. Before we finish, do you have any other personal message for our listeners? No, not really. I don't know who's there and what to say. Is saying to the void, <laughs> the world. The world is listening. To- <laughs> this is when you just use Twitter and you have zero followers and you send like a tweet. <laughs> I don't know to whom. <laughs> <laughs> to the universe, <laughs> Alvin. Thank you so much. That was a fun and funny interview, but also at the same time very, very interesting because yeah, we had some interesting conversations about studying hospitality, the importance of cultural and multicultural sensitivity, and、uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to talk to our <laughs> global listeners around the world. <laughs> Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you for having me. I'll make sure to follow your, your podcast as well, and hope everything goes well. And maybe one day you can come to London and see my show. We would love that. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss Skills, Euro Skills, and World Skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com.